Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we're talking the Under Armour All American game and the five Texas signees that participated in the showcase yesterday on ESPN. Secondly, we're talking Arch Manning and why I selfishly would have liked to see him participate in the Under Armour All American game, as well as some of the other showcases this year outside of your season at Isidore. Last but not least, we have to talk about this Texas basketball team that gave up 116 points at home in the Moody Center to the Kansas State Wildcats last night. A lot going on at the 40 Acres. We talk about all of it today and more on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns. But first, we're going to get into the Under Armour All-American game. I just saw the icon. My Wi-Fi is going in and out, so I apologize if that first part was shaky. I'll say it once again. We're talking about the Under Armour All-American game, talking about why I would like to see Arch Manning in the Under Armour All-American game, and then talking about why this Texas basketball team is really giving up 116 points to the Kansas State Wildcats at home yesterday. But getting into the Under Armour All-American game, and I can't say this is just something I watch every year, although it is a very big deal, especially if you watch college football. But like I said, it's just not, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it. You know, not something I rush to the TV to watch every year. I'm definitely not a huge fan of the ESPN 300, which is showcased at the Under Armour All-American game. If I need information on recruits, if I need recruiting information, there's a few places I'm going to go before I get to the ESPN 300. I would imagine it's the same for most of y'all watching or listening to this episode. But as I've said many times on this podcast, I am bullish on the 2023 class. And that's not saying much because it's a top three class by most accounts. The ESPN 300 that I just shaded a few seconds ago has them as the number five class in the country. So, you know, to each his own. But they're a top three class by most accounts. And so me being bullish on this class is a shared opinion by most. But I've said also on this podcast multiple times that I feel that the 2022 and 2023 classes for Texas will have a similar impact that the 2018 and 2019 classes have for Georgia. Now, those classes led Georgia to a national championship. I'm not saying that that will happen with these two classes for the University of Texas. But you would have to say that Georgia has been the premier program in college football for the last two to three years. Even though Alabama is on a longer dynasty, Georgia has been a better football team for the last two to three years. The 2018 and 2019 classes set the foundation for Georgia to get over the hump. I think the 2022 and 2023 classes for Texas will have that same impact, not necessarily winning a national championship because that's very hard to do. But I think these two classes will be the classes that put Texas back on the top of the map. These two classes will put Texas back as one of the best teams in college football perennially, whether they're in the Big 12 or in the SEC. I feel that strongly about these two classes, especially the 2023 class led by Arch Manning, which we'll talk about in the next segment. And, you know, these kind of showcases, especially these All-American games are, are funny because a lot of the times there's really no continuity or chemistry. These are some of the best players from all across the country, and they're coming in just to compete against their peers. And, you know, they have a really good week of practice and then they go out and play. But for the most part, they haven't played with any of these players before or, haven't talked to some of these coaches or ever been coached by a lot of these coaches before. And so um, you're kind of just participating on the fly. And although it's a team game, right, two teams going against each other, it's really an all-star game, right, to see 
what these players can showcase amongst some of the their peers, right, amongst the best players in the nation. And as a college football fan, you're either watching as a whole to see the future of the sport, or if you're an individual fan like us of Texas, you're watching to see the future at the 40 acres. And we saw a glimpse of what the future could look like in this 2023 class. And it is very promising because I think it's one thing to have a great week of practice amongst your peers. But when you see four of our five Texas signees participating in this game, making splash plays in this game, it gives me a lot of hope that this class will come in and do big things on the 40 acres. So first we're going to talk about Cedric Baxter from Orlando, Florida. I think he said he lived a few stoplights from the game. So it was definitely a home game for him. Um, and he balled out, right? We heard, you know, eventually he got moved up by, I think, on three to the best running back in the country. There's been a debate over, is it Ruben Owens, Richard Young, or, or Cedric Baxter? I think they're all good backs, but of course we're fans of the 40. So we're going to you know say that Cedric Baxter is the best back in the country. And I think that's well-deserved, right? He definitely plays like it you know, on, on played like it on Fridays and I expect him to play like it on Saturdays. All right. And he had a, a really good week of practice by all accounts. And he kicked off the scoring in the Under Armour All-American game. It wasn't a lot of it. It was only 14 to seven, but he kicked off the scoring with the first touchdown of the game on a 12 yard touchdown run, beautiful inside zone run that he recognized there was nothing there. Very decisive run, bounced outside immediately, showed that explosiveness and that burst and got downhill jumped into the end zone and really went untouched. <laughs> you know, even though he kind of jumped through two defenders to score that touchdown. And so I think he ended up with seven carries for 32 yards um, on the day, right? Like you're not going to see a, a bunch of big time performances, you know, a hundred yard performances or anything like that. Cause they're rotating players in and out. And like I said, there's just no really chemistry or cohesion between the players and the coaching staff, but Cedric Baxter definitely, you know, scored seven of the 21 points that was scored in the game. And he looked really good and looked like the future heir, you know, to the throne that B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson are leaving at the 40 acres. A great game and great week at the Under Armour All-American game from Cedric Baxter. Jonte Cook, we saw the the the, the clips coming out of him cooking uh, JV and Toviano and, and Tony Mitchell, two of the best safeties in the country, you know, two, I think, top. 50, 60 players in the country, two of the probably five best safeties um, in the country, JV and Toviano going to LSU, Tony Mitchell uh, going to Alabama. And we know that Jontae Cook is one of the most polished route runners in the in this class, right? And he's going to step in as somebody that can have an impact on the 40 acres right away because of his route running ability, right? And his ability to get downfield and make plays all over the field, right? He can stretch the field vertically, but he can make plays in the intermediate and short passing game as well. He's just an explosive playmaker. And like I said, we saw all week in practice him showcasing that route running ability. And in one-on-ones, he was just cooking DBs right, left and right. In the game, he didn't have much of an impact. Much of an impact. He had one catch for eight yards. That is in large part to his quarterback, the Iowa State commit, I think J.J. Cole. He just didn't look that good to me, to be honest. I mean, there's no disrespect to Iowa State, no disrespect to J.J. Cole, but in this specific showcase, he didn't showcase much for me. Right? He only had 49 yards. I think on like over – he had like 15 passes for like 49 yards, right? It just wasn't great. And so Jonte Cook only had one catch for eight yards. His quarterback only threw for 50 to begin with, right? But he had a nice uh, little, you know, out route from the slot where the DB was playing like, you know – 12 yards off or whatever it was. And Jonte Cook, you know, just great route. You know, ran like five yards, sharp out, hit him for eight yards. And that was really the extent of Jonte Cook's day. But we know how explosive he is with his route running. He showcased that all week in practice. Didn't have a big showing in the game. But I think with better quarterback play, hell, I think if you would have played with Jackson Arnold, right, he probably would have put up 20 to 30 receiving yards and been one of the best players on the field. Then when you look at Malik Muhammad, right, he's widely regarded as one of the best cornerbacks in the nation, 
a lot of people say, you know, he's one of the top two corners between him and Cormani McLean committed to Miami, still hasn't signed yet. And then, of course, Malik Muhammad, who is signed to the 40 acres. And he's one of the best man cover corners in the nation. If you need anything to tell you that. Right. We know that Alabama plays a lot of tight man coverage. Right. There's two corners that Nick Saban heavily targeted in this class to come play that tight man coverage at the University of Alabama. Malik Muhammad and Kermani McLean, right? And so we know that that's a skill set for Malik, who is going to make his way to the 40 acres here in a few weeks. And, and he made some plays in that game, right? Some tight plays uh, in coverage against Jackson Arnold, that quarterback, to really seal that game for, I think, Team Phantom, right? That's the team wearing black, I think, Team Phantom. So we saw that man coverage ability, and he had a pick this week in practice. So we saw that man coverage ability, that coverage ability that won him two state championships at South Oak Cliff High School in Dallas, right? We saw that ability on, you know, showcase throughout practice during the week and then in the game, right? Because he had a crucial uh, fourth down stop, right? A fourth down pass deflection, a fourth down coverage stop that kind of secured the win for Team Phantom. So Malik Muhammad was really good in the showcase. Derek Williams, uh, you know, showcased his coverage ability and got a crucial interception, right? That prevented Team Speed from being able to score, right? And you know, when you win 14 to seven, that interception looks a little bit bigger, uh, definitely at the end of the game for sure. So Derek Williams had a good tip drill, you know, interception, good hand-eye coordination, good attention to detail, right? Because it got tipped twice and he was able to catch it and uh, secure that turnovers for Team Phantom. So Derek Williams, one of the most underrated players in the nation. John Garcia talks about one of the few safeties that can do it both, right? That can play in the box and come down and stop the run, but also can be a leader, you know, and, and play and the backfield and coverage, right? You know, can roam the field and take things away in coverage, but also can play downhill and play in the box and stop the run as well. Um, he thinks he's somebody, John Garcia, director of football recruiting at Sports Illustrated, that can come right in and play right away, right? He has that type of skill set. He's that good of a player. And he showcased that in the Under Armour All-American game with a splash play, an interception. And then Sadir Mitchell, it's hard for a D tackle to have a splash play, especially a nose tackle like Sadir Mitchell, who's just eating up blocks up front. But we heard all week that he was just dominating. And, you know, we've talked about the comparisons with him and Jordan Davis, why Georgia was after him so hard for what he brings up front and how important he's going to be to this defense on the 40 acres. Because we saw this year the run defense was elite when Keandre Coburn, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy were on. Right. But when they were off, like we saw in the Washington game, they got bullied in the trenches by a team that doesn't even take pride in running the ball. Right. And so. They're going to be so key to this defense and what Pete Kukowski wants to do. So Dear Mitchell will be in the future, especially if he plays the way that he played in high school and the way that he played this week in the Under Armour All-American game. So it was good to see the five Texas signees not only show out in practice this week in shorts, but when they put on the pads, we saw four of our five players make splash plays in the game. A big reason why Team Phantom won because they had a bunch of Texas signees on their side. Coming up next, a quick word from Bent Online, and I'm going to talk about Arch Manning, why I selfishly would have liked to see him play in the game as well. BentOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. Raw is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So another reason I'm not too fond of the Under Armour All-American game or really these um, 
kind of All-American games, period, is because I love great quarterback play, right? And like I said, because of the lack of chemistry and cohesion, these quarterbacks meeting and throwing to these receivers for the first time, playing behind these offensive lines for the first time, you know, getting these generic play calls from these play callers that they've worked with for three, four days. You just don't see a lot of great quarterback play, right? And I think in the Under Armour All-American game, Jackson Arnold, who I'm a fan of, right, signed to – you know, our rival, the Oklahoma Sooners, I thought he played well, right? I, there were some throws that he missed. He had a couple interceptions or, or maybe just one interception. But I thought overall he played well and, and showcased his dual threat ability. You know, he had some really good runs. J.J. Cole, I wasn't impressed with. You know, he had some uh, running ability as well from Iowa State. But, you know, like I said, as far as throwing the ball, you know, which is his calling card, uh, left a lot to be desired in, in terms of me. But uh, hopefully he does well at Iowa State. Hopefully when we're in the SEC, <laughs> um, Kansas State quarterback Avery Johnson, he was all right to me. I mean, he made some plays. I, I definitely saw some talent. You know, he looks like he'll be a good quarterback at Kansas State. But there was also, you know, a lot of plays left on the field. Just quarterback wise, period. Right. There wasn't great quarterback play in the Under Armour All-American game, which you can't necessarily expect. But I still think there's value, as I mentioned in the last segment, in being a college football fan and being able to see that glimpse in the future. Right. Even though we didn't see a full game from Cedric Baxter, you know, Sadir Mitchell, John T. Cook, Derek Williams, or Malik Muhammad, a lot of Texas fans still tapped in to see that glimpse of the future, right? To see these future playmakers on the 40, how they looked amongst some of the top competition in the nation, right? And I know that Arch Manning has been insulated from the beginning, right? I know that this is not something that we were going to expect. We knew that Arch Manning really wasn't going to participate in camps. We knew that he wasn't going to participate in these All-American games, whether it be Under Armour or any of the any other ones, right? And I'm not saying that he should have. I'm not saying that's a knock on him that people like to make it, right? People like to say that he's scared of competition or people like to say that, you know, he he doesn't want to play outside of that, you know, week or 2A competition in Louisiana football, right? These are other people's words. I'm just repeating what I see on Twitter, right? These are not my words, not my thoughts, not my feelings, right? Don't come at me. I don't think it's a big deal that Arch Manning hasn't participated in any of these showcases, the Elite 11, anything like that. He did do the Manning Passing Academy, or he didn't play in the Under Armour All-American game, right? It's not a big deal to me. It really doesn't mean anything, because at the end of the day, he still has to perform on the 40 acres. Like, you can't run from that, right? You Whether you do camps or, or, or Under Armour All-American games or anything like that, you're still going to have to perform when the time comes on the 40 acres. So him not coming to these games really doesn't mean anything to me. But selfishly, as a fan – you can't tell me that you don't want to see Arch Manning at these showcases competing against some of the other best quarterbacks in the nation. And selfishly, as a fan, you can't tell me that you don't want to see him participating in the Under Armour All-American game. Because however you want to grade his performance, I saw Oklahoma fans hanging on to every throw Jackson Arnold made. They were able to talk about it on Twitter. They were able to dissect his performance, right? They were able to get a glimpse of the future at the quarterback position at the University of Oklahoma. J.J. Cole and Avery Johnson at Iowa State and Kansas State, respectively. Like I said, they did left a lot to be desired on the field for me. But still, as a Kansas State and an Iowa State fan, you get to watch that game and see this is my quarterback of the future. You get to see a glimpse of the future to what you're bringing to your respective universe. And as Texas fans, we haven't gotten that from Arch Manning. Once again, I'm not saying it's a big deal. But you can't tell me as a Texas fan, you wouldn't have liked to see Arch Manning throw 15 to 20 passes in that game yesterday. If you didn't watch the game, you might have been more incentivized to watch the game if you knew that Arch Manning was starting at quarterback. 
imagine being able to see Arch Manning start at quarterback, Jonte Cook start receiver, and Cedric Baxter start at running back, which likely will be three starters in the future at the 40 acres. So does it mean anything that Arch Manning didn't participate in this game or really in the showcases this year? No, right? Do I think that, you know, Arch Manning is running from competing against some of the best players in the nation? Absolutely not. Because like I said, at some point, right, the rooster is going to have to come to crow, right? At some point, he's going to have to play at the University of Texas in front of the spotlight against some of the best teams in the country, in the Big 12, and possibly in the SEC. So these camps and these Under Armour All-American games mean nothing at this point. But selfishly, as a fan, watching other, you know, teams get to see their quarterbacks play in other positions, right? And we had five players there. You would have liked to see Arch Man in there, right? You would have liked to see Arch Man and throw 15 to 20 passes. You would have liked to see what the future at the 40 acres would look like, or at least get a glimpse into it, right? See Arch Manning and how he looks against his peers, how he looks against the best players in the nation, because we know that Arch Manning and his family would like to redshirt him, right? And so we likely won't see Arch Manning in any serious capacity until what 2024 maybe right outside of maybe a spring game performance and a few throws here and there but I wouldn't even be surprised if Charles Wright is you know third on the depth chart and Arch Manning is fourth right just to ensure that he doesn't have to get in the game this year at any point so not a big deal that he didn't participate in the Under Armour All-American game not a big deal that he didn't participate in the Elite 11 or anything like that like I said it really doesn't matter to me but selfishly as a fan watching all of these other quarterbacks play and leave a lot to be desired. I would have liked to see the number one quarterback in his class, the number one prospect overall in the nation, Arch Manning, participate in the Under Armour All-American game with some of the other Texas signees. A quick word from the Longhorn real estate team, and then we quickly have to get into what's going on with this Texas basketball team since Chris Beard's incident on December 12th. Dwell in Austin and Hill Country Mortgages have combined to make your Longhorn real estate team. And for all your real estate needs in the Austin area, please visit www.longhornrealestateteam.com. In a changing, more complex market, you need to work with the top professionals in Austin. Our data and information-driven approach gives our clients a significant advantage. Decades of experience in all market conditions makes us able to achieve the best results for our clients. And our clients for years have outperformed the market, leveraging our proprietary research information and expertise which is now more important than ever dwell in austin and hill country mortgages have combined to make your longhorn real estate team for all your real estate needs in the austin area please visit www.longhornrealestateteam.com hill country mortgages llc nmls 2324262 jonathan sarver nmls 993872 equal housing opportunity so this Texas basketball team was flying high. If you're talking about the end of November, early December, you're talking about the top two Texas basketball team in the country behind U of H, right? They had beat Gonzaga in the Moody Center. They had beat a top 10 Creighton team in the Moody Center. And this looked like a legit national championship contender, right? Coming into the season, we said it was a sneaky national championship contender. After about eight to nine games, we said this is a legit national championship contender. And Chris Beard had a roster that you rarely see these days in college basketball because he had a roster of experienced players with Marcus Carr and Brock Cunningham and Timmy Allen and Dylan DeSue um, and all of those players coming back, Serge Jabari Rice transferring in with four or five years of experience. But then you also had the freshman five-star blue chip talent in Dylan Mitchell and Arterio Morris, right? And so you said this has the makings of a team that is battle-tested but also has – that blue chip NBA talent as well 
that could carry them over the hump and get them, you know, past the Sweet 16 and possibly to the Final Four competing for a national championship this year, right? Can't forget Tyrese Hunter, who's been a godsend at the point guard position, transferring from Iowa State after one year, his true freshman year. But then the world kind of came crashing down as far as Texas basketball. Um, when on December 12th, we found out that Chris Beard had been arrested, you know, for domestic violence and strangulation of his fiance. And since then, right, we're still kind of waiting to see what's going on with that situation. He's been suspended without pay. We haven't gotten many updates since then from the University of Texas. But since then on the court, this Texas basketball team just hasn't looked the same, right? They haven't had the same energy defensively that they normally would have had with Chris Beard. And they just look like they haven't had the same energy period. And how can you blame them, right? I saw people on Twitter saying last night when they gave up 116 points to Kansas State in the Moody Center that that was on Chris Beard, right? And I think not directly, right? Because obviously he didn't coach the game. He hasn't been around the program in almost a month at this point. But I think indirectly it is because that was a blow to the program, right? That was a shot in the heart to the program this team that all of these players that love Chris Beard, he's a player's coach, were recruited by Chris Beard, suddenly in the middle of their season had to pivot, right? While also still having large expectations. You have to deal with losing your coach and then trying to move forward as if it didn't happen, right? Because the expectations don't change with Chris Beard leaving. The expectations for this team are still to win a national championship. Even if it's not from the national pundits, I know that that's their expectation in the locker room, right? So that's a lot of pressure. Right. And how do you move forward with all of this uncertainty? Because you don't know what's going to happen with Chris Beer. You don't know, you know, how long this situation is going to be, if he's going to be fired, what's going to happen. Right. And so that's a huge blow to your season, a huge psychological and emotional blow that you're kind of just trying to pick up the pieces as you go along. Right. And since Chris Beard's arrest right on December 12th, this Texas basketball team, like I said, just hasn't looked like the team that beat Creighton at home and hasn't looked like the team that beat Gonzaga at home. Because when you look at it since that day, they go to overtime that day with Rice, which you completely understand, and give up 81 points. But they were 22, 23-point favorites in that game. The game should have never been close. They gave up 72 points in back-to-back games against Louisiana Lafayette and Texas A&M Commerce. And no disrespect to those schools, but they should not be scoring 72 points against this University of Texas basketball team in this defense. Prior to Chris Beard leaving, the only teams they had gave 70 plus points to were Gonzaga, Creighton and Illinois, who were all ranked at the time they played. them. Every other team had scored less than 60. And now they're giving up 70 points to Louisiana Lafayette and Texas A&M Commerce, giving up 81 points to Rice. Right. It's just not the same team since Chris Beard's departure. And then when you look at the Oklahoma game, it's a tough place to play, even though they're not ranked. They don't have a great basketball team. They only beat Oklahoma by one on the road. A win is a win. But that's definitely probably a game that they could have played a lot better in and beat Oklahoma by more than one point, right? They, like, like Even though you win it, you can win a game and there still be bad trends, right? And there was a lot of bad things in the Oklahoma game, even though they squeaked that one out. So you come out in your next game at home against Kansas State, one of the best teams in the nation. They've only lost one game. But you give up 116 points in regulation, a game where you score over 100, a game where you get 72 points from your three guards in Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter, and Serge Barry Rice. You get 72 points from just those three players, and you lose by double digits because you gave up 118 points in regulation at home in the Moody Center. And this is one of the best defensive teams in the country, like we said, a Chris Beard-led team. 
It's going to always win the toughness battle. It's going to always win the defensive battle if they can control it. But since Chris Beard's departure, this hasn't been the same basketball team. They haven't had the same attention to detail. They haven't had the same focus on the defensive end. They haven't had the same effort, and they haven't had the same intensity. And so this Texas team still has a long time to figure it out. Conference play just started. You have the conference tournament, and then you have the NCAA tournament. But like I said, just because Chris Beard has left this basketball team, their expectations are still the same. And although they took a shot to the heart on December 12th when their basketball coach got arrested for domestic violence, they still have aspirations of winning a national championship. And they're going to have to figure out what's been going on over the last, you know, seven to eight games since Chris Beard left and fix that if they have any chance of making it past the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, and winning a national championship this year. But I have to say, that even though he's not here right now, these performances we're seeing are on Chris Beard. Because when this basketball team was giving you 100%, Chris Beard didn't give this basketball team 100% back. And we're seeing the results of it, like last night against Kansas State in the Moody Center. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hook them. Peace.